Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, it's been our text for the series. It says, I know what it is. Paul's saying this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says this. He says, I've learned the secret. I have found out the secret to being content or to having joy in any situation, whether I am in need or whether I have plenty, I'm content. And we talked about this last week, and and his secret is this. Joy is not found in the absence of external pressure, but in the presence of internal contentment. The, 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 The secret of Paul's contentment was that it was not based in outside circumstances. It rested within his own heart. So that means that a storm could rage all around him, but he had peace in his own life and in his own heart. Do you know how you can have joy? You can have joy when everything lines up for you, but I'm going to tell you that's going to be few and far between. Or you can find a joy that is happening on the inside of you that bleeds out to the outside. See, what happens is our circumstances are on the outside of us and they bleed to the inside. So our joy is dependent on what happens on the outside, but true joy comes from the inside and then shows on the outside. Paul's secret to contentment was an internal contentment so that whatever happened externally would not affect what he had. Joyride actually means a ride taken for pleasure, as in a car or aircraft, especially an automobile ride marked by reckless driving, as in a stolen car, which this is not mine. Speaking of stolen, I might steal it because it's, it's, it's that nice. Um, but this is what I feel like our joy is a lot of times. It is something that is fleeting. It's not something we possess. It, it is I was happy for a moment. I felt happy. I felt joy. It was, it was there for a moment, but then it's gone. It is like this bike. It's, it's, it's not mine. I, I noticed I, I said that before, and I'm saying that again. Maybe this guy feels led to give it to me. I don't know. Um, um, but anyways, it's not mine. I'm going to have it for a moment, but it's going to be gone. I love it. It looks nice. It feels nice, and it probably sounds nice. If we could start it up, that'd be amazing, um, but, but it's here for a moment, and then it's going to be gone. And the problem is that, that this is how most of our joy is. It is here when external circumstances align and we get ourselves to a place where we think, okay, everything's right. Now I can have joy. I want to go to the book. It's a ruthless book in the New Testament. Just, I'm just warning you right now. It's, this is the brother of Jesus. His name is James. James chapter 1. He's, he's ruthless, I'm just telling you. James chapter 1, he starts out his book by saying, Greetings, I'm a servant of the Lord. And, and, and in verse 2, all right, no intro, no warm-up, this is what he says. Consider it pure joy, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Count it all joy. New King James Version says count it. 
like add it up. Count it all joy. When you go through trouble, when, when you go through difficulty, I mean, this, this does not sound like the secret to joy to me. This, we, we live in a world where we're trying to escape trouble. We're trying to escape trials. We're trying to escape difficulty. And he says, I want you just to consider it joy. How do you consider pain joy? How do you consider loss joy? I mean, this is great for James to write it, but let, let's just talk about it here in 2017. In our real life, in our real situations, in our real circumstances, there's pain. So how do I consider what I feel to be joy? How do I actually think that, that, that me going through some of the trials that I've gone through actually should bring me joy? It, it sounds upside down. Honestly, it sounds a little wrong. We know it's the Word, and we know all Scripture is God-breathed, and we, we got all that. We, we, we got it. And we love to read this, and we love to, to Facebook this, and we love to quote it, but it's another thing to, to actually live it. Most people count it all joy when they escape trials. James said to count it all joy in the midst of trials. We are not supposed to have joy because of trials. We're supposed to have joy in the trials. So let me ask you this. How do you have joy in trouble? How am I supposed to be happy when things aren't going my way? How do I find some source of contentment when I am not content? The scripture says consider. It means count it up. It means like math. Anybody love math? Bless you. It means to evaluate. Count it up. Add it up to evaluate. And the next part of the scripture says when you face trials. You know what this tells us? There's no escaping trouble. Most of America's quest is to escape trouble. There's no escape in trouble. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Trouble will happen. And it says because you know. Consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know. This know, this word, this Greek word means knowledge that comes from experience. It is not something that is taught. It is something that is experience. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. He didn't say, I found it. He said, I, I learned it. Did, did you know that your trouble will train you? Did, did you know that, that the trials of this life are like the gym that works out your faith? What you go through is actually training for what God's taking you to. It's just because you know, what do you know? That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So I'm supposed to have joy because I know hardship is going to come. This is discouraging. So it will get bad. It will get hard. But in that, I'm supposed to have joy because I'm going to learn patience. There's a couple words that I don't really like. One of those words is patience. Slow, patience, that's just like all of those things, anything to do with slowing down, none of it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like school zones. I don't like patience. I don't like slow. I don't like, I like that. I like that. I think that, that's, that's nice. I don't, I don't like to go slow, but he says that this is what actually should bring you some joy is because patience is being developed in you. Patience isn't passive. It is courageous perseverance 
in the face of suffering. Sometimes we think of patience like just sit here and, and be patient. Just be patient. Just be patient. Life's terrible. Just be patient. You'll get through it. Just be patient. No, it's not that. The posture of patience is a courageous posture. Looking into the face of suffering and saying, I'm going to wait you out. I'm going to wait you out. The storm may come for a night, but my Bible says that, 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 that he comes. What? What? They come, what comes in the morning? Joy. You already know it. Joy comes in. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So that means I just have to wait it out. Did you know that there's never been a morning that I've woke up that the sun has failed to rise? Ne- never. Not even once. Not even once. So if I can wait out the night, then I'm guaranteed the joy. So, so, so this perseverance thing is about patience. This patience thing is about waiting out whatever I'm in because there's something on the other side. There's something on this. I'm waiting for something. I'm, wait, I'm, I'm going somewhere this morning. Don't you worry. I'm, I'm going. We're waiting for something. And that something is the thing that's supposed to fuel our joy here. I don't know what it is yet, but this thing over here, this is what's going to fuel our joy over here. I found this, that we lose our joy because of a lot of different things. But I, I, I want to mention just a couple things quickly that we lose our joy because of. We lose our joy just simply because it's lost. Which means maybe you misplaced it or maybe it was stolen. This is what I find a lot of people is, is their joy has just been stolen from them. Because they've lost something in life. Maybe they've lost in their marriage, maybe they've lost in their business, but because they've lost, they've lost their joy. I was in Thailand on a mission trip, and, and Jamie and I were there uh, together, and uh, I brought my laptop with me, and I chose to put my laptop in my suitcase and not my carry-on so that we could go shopping. So I left it at the hotel, had them watch it, and we went out, and we were shopping our last day before we were about to go home. I come back to the hotel and uh, grab my bag. We go to the airport, and uh, I'm like, I'm going to get my laptop out for the plane. And I go to open my bag, and everything is there, and my laptop is gone. Every single message that I preached since I was 16 years old was on that laptop. No cloud, no backup, no paper, just, just the laptop. And it was gone. And I went, you know, Thai people aren't exactly uh, like large people, okay? And they call it the land of smiles. So literally, they're so nice. And, but I'm about to lose my mind. We, I'm, I'm about to go back to the hotel and, and just start, like, shaking people down. Like, I know it's you. I left it with you. So I know it's back here somewhere. I'm about to shake it down. And, uh, so, and there's nothing I can do. Our flight's about to leave. Supposed to, and I, my joy is gone. I'm ch- it's gone. You can ask Jamie because it affected her in some ways. My, my, my joy was gone. In one moment, my joy was gone. It was, but you know what? It wasn't my fault. It was stolen from me. It's a silly example, but I'm going to tell you, some of you have been through some real pain and some real loss that has made you lose, or maybe someone has stolen your joy. Another way that we lose it is that it's left. What I mean by this is we regret something that we've left. That's where I find a lot of people that, that don't have joy is because they, they, they regret something that they did. They regret 
something that a mistake that they made in their past. They regret someone that they hurt. They regret someone that they left. They regret something that they did when their kids were children. They regret something that they did when they were children. They regret something. And because of that thought or because of the past, they lose their joy. They, 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 re- they regret something. My wife, she, she has grown up in real estate. Her dad is a real estate broker and and uh, had been for years, and so when we got married, she was selling real estate, and, and, and she was good at it, and so we were able to make some deals on some houses, we were able to flip some houses, and, and, and we sold this house, and uh, we made a good chunk of money on it, we were so happy, and the value kept on climbing, and then I kept on looking back at like what we sold it for, and what it's worth now, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, sometimes, to this day, sometimes I lay in bed and I think, Man, if I could have held out, if I could have waited. You ever regretted something? You ever regretted something? I mean, these are, these are silly examples, but you know what? This is where we live. This, these are the type of thing. When I say it, you're like, come on, that's robbed your joy until it hits your house. Until you have a need and you need that money and you realize that if you would have been wiser with your decision, you would have had that money and you begin to regret it and now you have a bad attitude and you're yelling at your kids and you're short with your wife and you're looking at my thing like it's not a big deal. No, when it hits your house, it changes. Everybody's trouble looks unimpressive in their house. But when it hits your house, it gets your attention really fast. I mean like the smallest things. Like, Like the smallest things. Like the little, little, I mean like the smallest things. Like walking in your house and stepping on a Lego. Anybody have kids? Legos and Hot Wheels, like they're meant to kill you. It is the test of God to see if you will swear or not. I mean it is just like, mm, glory to God in the highest. I mean that is, like, that, that was like God's way. Like he gave that idea to somebody who's like, let's test dads everywhere early in the morning it doesn't take much to rob you of your joy does it it really doesn't take much you know it could happen just like in a day you could you could wake up happy and by the afternoon you could be depressed because of external situations that have stolen your joy the last one is lack lack you know what I find when I'm talking to people and I'm counseling people, especially marriages, is, is the discouragement happens because they lack something. They lack something. So they're looking to something, but they're not getting it. They have a need that's not getting fulfilled. They have a need that's not getting met. They, they, they lack something. You ever lacked anything? Has that lack ever robbed you of your joy? Has it ever stolen you in in a moment? Just kind of like, man, it'd be nice if they could or I had. Do you know where lack really comes into play? When you compare your life with someone else's. You got a new car, you're all excited about it, and you look over and they got a new car, and you're like, oh, it's not as nice. Do you know that that comparison is, is, is one of the deaths of contentment? It is one of the greatest enemies of contentment because you're now measuring yourself, or let me help you for a second. You're counting. What did James say? He says, count, can't count. So the way that comparison comes is I count according 
to what someone else, I have a wrong set of measurements because to be successful, I have to stand by you. And if I'm better than you, I feel good. If I'm less than you, I feel discouraged. I'm comparing our money, I'm comparing our cars, our houses, our families, our wives, our husbands, our contentment, our joy, our, we begin to compare our spirituality, our promotions, our notoriety, our popularity, our friend group. We compare it, and because of the comparison, we actually feel less or better about ourselves. You can have joy because you feel better than someone. I was talking to one of our students that came back from a mission trip, and they said, you know what, there's nothing like going somewhere where people are less fortunate than you to make you realize how good you have it. Because when they were here, they felt like they were so underprivileged until they went there and their counting changed. Their measurement system changed because they once counted themselves against their peers, but when they counted themselves against people on the mission trip, they realized, oh, wow, we really are blessed. So you have to be careful about the way that you count. Acts chapter 5 Verse 40 and 41, it says this, his speech persuaded them. Now, let me give you this. This, this, this is where uh, Paul and Silas have been persecuted, all right? Paul is being persecuted for preaching the gospel. And he says, and his speech persuaded them. This, this is what he persuaded them to do, to let them go instead of to keep him in prison. So before they let him go, they whipped them, a type of whipping called flogging. So they flogged him. And then they were going to let him go. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, watch how they left, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They, 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 they counted themselves worthy. They were rejoicing because God had counted them worthy to go through trouble. But they were happy because they went through pain. All of this is a setup for where we're going in the last 10 minutes. I'm going to tell you this. All of this you need to know because the reason that they went through something was because God was trying to teach them something. And in, now I'm going to say this. God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. And they said, man, we just are so happy. They blood coming out their backs. In prison, we're so happy that God counted us worthy to go through some persecution for his namesake. See, see what I think that we've kind of fallen, in, fallen into in America is we count against the American dream. We, we count from where we are to the end result, but what God's trying to do is to flip things around and count from the sum backwards, which means I'll go through any type of pain if I know I can get this. See, when, if you know something's coming, you can get to it. For instance, a lot of women in this room have went through childbirth. They had babies. The, the joy of having the baby helped them go through the pain of childbirth. Now, if you just told them they're just going to have that pain just to have it, I'm going to be very many happy people. But I know women that love, this is not my wife, this is why we have two kids and this is probably all we're going to have, unfortunately. Um, I know a lot of women that like love to be pregnant. They're like, oh, woo, yeah. I, 
got an alien growing in me. This is amazing. I love it. I love being pregnant. It's like, but the joy of what they're carrying pushes them through the present pain. So this is what James is saying. He says, you better count it all joy when you go through trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces something. What James is trying to say is you got to find out what the end goal is and you have to live with the end goal in mind. The reason that people lose their joy is because they count where they are and not where they're going. If you saw the end result, you can make it through the pain of today. If you saw what God was trying to do in your life, you can make it through the pain of this day. If you could see what God was trying to do in your life, you would make it through your struggle. You would make it through your difficulty. You would make it through your challenge. The problem is we don't count where we're going. We count where we are. James didn't say you wouldn't feel pain. He says you're counting the wrong thing. You know, it's, it's interesting. I would never, ever in my life want to do two-a-days again like I did in high school in football. Ever. Unless I was training to actually play. I would never go through that pain just to do it. i got to have a reason why I'm going through what I'm going through. And the problem in America and the problem with most of us as believers is we have no idea where we're going. And so the only thing we have for our happiness is to try to get today to look good. And if we can get today to look good, if we can have enough, do enough, feel enough, if we can get today to look good, then we have joy. But, but, but James says this, he says, but the secret to joy is not in today, it's in where you're going. Because your suffering produces something. Do you know what people like me to preach? They like me to preach that we don't suffer. But it's a lie. It'll keep you saved for a little bit. Oh, I can get saved and then I'm like, everything's gonna be all right. It's just not truth. You're gonna go through suffering. This thing's not about you. This thing's about the kingdom of God. God wants to use you to advance his kingdom. God wants to use you on your assignment, on your purpose, to make a difference in the world. But to do that, you've got to go through something because your patience is not tested yet. Or let me say it another way. Your faith has not been tested. You know what the wild thing is about gold? is in the fire, it purifies it. Your faith needs to be like gold, that when you go through the fire, it purifies it. It doesn't break it. It doesn't destroy it. It doesn't make it make you lose it, it just refines it. You have to see the sum so that you can possess the joy. This is all I know about math is that end result is the sum, okay? That's about as far as I go. But I gotta see the sum so I can possess the joy. The trial didn't bring me joy, but knowing what it would produce did. You have to look at your journey with the end in mind and be careful not to add it from the wrong side what's the wrong side the wrong side is adding it up from today when I add it up from today I don't have joy but when I add up today good if I can get through today plus tomorrow equals legacy equals God using my family equals a church that reaches the community, equals mission trips around the world, equals a, a, a city shaken by the power of God. When I see the sum, today's struggles seem small. My outlook determines my outcome. How do you have joy? Have a better outlook. 
I don't like these people talking about positive thinking. What do you want to think negatively? I mean, it's like people got problems. And it's like, well, all this faith talk. You want to have doubt? I mean, really. Really think through your argument before you post that stuff. Like, think through it. So what is the opposite of faith? Doubt? Well, yeah, this makes, feels better just live in doubt. Go ahead and live with your doubting self. I'm going to have some joy. Because I know what I'm going through today is working me out. It is producing something in me. I'll tell you, I'll feel something in here this morning. At the 830 worship experience, God is trying to produce something in you. He is trying to produce a pure gold in your faith. And to do that, you have got to weather some storms. And if you can weather the storms, it will produce in you patience. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, not only so, but we also glory. That Greek word is also rejoice. Take joy in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, patience. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Do you know why people get depressed? It's because when they add up today, there is no hope. They look at where they are today, and they assume where they're going to be tomorrow, and when there is no hope, you get discouraged. I get discouraged. But the scripture says, if we could rejoice, take joy in our sufferings, because we know that that suffering produces patience, and the patience character, and the character hope. Did you know if you had hope, you'd have joy? Your, your joy is connected to your hope. If, if, if you are in a financial downturn right now, but you know you're going to end up all right, you wouldn't care too much. You, you, but what the problem is, we lose hope that there's an upswing. We lose hope that it's going to change. If you're going through a hard time in your marriage right now, but you know in three years you're going to have the best marriage on the planet, you'd be fine. And you'd have joy in it. The problem is you've lost hope. And you don't know if it will be or can be, or should be. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Nobody lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There is a sum that outweighs anything that I'm going through today. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen today, but on what is unseen, the sum, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our troubles are adding up to something that makes whatever trouble we're going through right now look silly or maybe worth it. Well, you don't understand the trouble I'm in is the trouble I've caused. God will use it. Got to use it to develop something in you. Where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. You need hope. That's what you need. Well, I just need some encouragement. You need hope. That's your encouragement. Hope that it's going to turn around. Hope that it's going to change. Hope that there's a switch. Hope that there's a substitute. Hope that nothing is going to look tomorrow like it is today. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of my, I feel like I feel this more than you today because I feel like, I feel like I saw something in this. I feel like I saw something in this because I get caught up in today 
and I look at today. Did you know if I hit you, you might laugh, but if I, if I, hit, if I hit you, if Philip hits you, you would look at where he struck you after you woke up. Because wherever there's pain caused, you will focus on. So the enemy knows how to hit you. So you look at you. So the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy, uh-oh, uh-oh. For the joy set but. I know it's 8.30, and I know it's Sunday morning. I honestly, I feel like, run, I, some of y'all are guests. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be good. I feel like running around this room right now because, listen to this. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He's hanging up there happy. He's hanging up there with joy because he knew what the cross would purchase for me and for you. He said, I can go through anything. I can walk through any pain. I can walk through any trouble. I can walk through any trial. I can do anything if I know that it's worth it. All right, sit down for a second. You get me too excited. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make it all the way through. You know that true joy has more to do with your faith than it does feeling. Faith that tomorrow will be different than today. Faith that God will not let you end up where you are right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now watch this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know what another definition of discouraged is? Disheartened disheartened or, or losing losing your heart Jesus saw the sum of salvation for all mankind and it made any pain he suffered worth it now I stopped on purpose in James before I read you verse 4 because I got to show you this this is awesome in James chapter 1 verse 4 it says let perseverance finish its work so that you be, may be mature and complete, not lack. That's why I don't have joy. It's because I lack. That's why I was robbed of my joy. It's because I lacked something. I came up short. I lost something. Something was stolen from me. I'm, I'm regretting something. I, I, I have a lack. But James says, I'm not done yet. Don't just count it all joy. But listen. It, let perseverance, let patience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The goal of the trial is to develop me so that I won't lack anything. God's trying to make my life hard. No, God's trying to use your hard life to make you like Him. He is trying to show you the goal so that you can walk through the pain. I'm trying to encourage you by knowing that where God's taking you is not where you're at right now so you can have hope that God's going to move you forward. I found this out about God. If He started it, He's going to finish it. He doesn't walk away from a fight. He doesn't walk away from a challenge. He doesn't walk away from an assignment, a purpose, or a person until he's done. And he's not done until it's good. 
You know how I know that? We know that from the very beginning of Scripture. It says in the beginning, God created, right? And through everything that he created, he said it was good. It was good. It was good. And then he finished. And then he finished. Except for man, he didn't say he was finished until he created woman. To be a companion, to walk together, to strengthen one another, to lead together. And when he did that, he said, it's good. And then it says, and he rested. I've got a word for someone that is in this place right now. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here right now. I'm going to tell you something. God will not rest until it's good. He will not rest until it's good. He will not rest until it's good. You may think you're going down. You may think you've lost your courage. You may think you're depressed. You may think it's, it, it is just completely hopeless. But I've got a word for you this morning that God will not rest until it's good. He's a good God and he has a good plan and he will not be done until he completes it for you and in you and through you. Count it all, count it all, count it all, count it all, count it. One, two, three, four, five, count it. Count it all, count it all. No, this is how you count it. That's the wrong way. I count from the sum backwards. I've been counting this way all my life. One, two, three, four, success, 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 failure, success. Wait, no, 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 no. James says, this is how you count. Good, perfect complete plan and now count backwards count backwards from paradise count backwards from success count backwards because now I know that two is worth it because I know what two is going to add up to I know what pain is worth it because I know what pain is going to add up to I know what trials are going to add up to I know what trouble is going to add up to I've seen the sum so I can pay the price Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.